Welcome to the Deeper Dive Podcast, where we dive deep into God's Word and discover together how to practically live as disciples of Jesus through the application of gospel truth. And welcome to the Deeper Dive, again, where, if you have forgotten, we go deeper into some facet of our Sunday sermons. And I'm here once again with a full team with Brooks from Prosser, Adam from West Pasco, and Jason from Everywhere. <laughs> the omnipresent Jason. Well, good to see you guys today. Well, today what we're going to do is we're going to look at kind of at the heart of what we do here at Bethel, which is we zero in on making disciples. And more specifically, how do we live in such a way that we actually become faithful and good and healthy disciples? So in the book of Luke, which is a great, the whole, that whole book is just, a, is just filled with great stuff on becoming a follower or disciple of Christ, right? So in the book, Jesus calls us to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow him. Mm-hmm. Kind of one of those scriptures that everybody knows. So if we look at that scripture, kind of look at the book of Luke, what type of a commitment is Jesus requiring of us, his followers? You know, it's interesting, Dave. There are a number of times where Jesus is looking around, not, not specifically at his disciples, but he's looking at the larger crowds that are beginning to gather around him. And oftentimes he says difficult things. Um, I think this is one of those times where Jesus is looking around and he's saying, hey, there is this come follow me uh, kind of ask that I have for you. I'm not asking you to come and do something that is going to be casual (laughs) or something that you're going to be comfortable or something that is going to become a cultural (laughs) something. I am asking you to do something that is going to require the whole of you in a sacrificial way. So that's that's my yeah. first take on it. Bonhoeffer, in his uh, Cost of Discipleship, on that verse, he says, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like yeah. nothing nothing less than death. And most of the time for us, that's a, a, a daily dying to self and a spiritual death okay. too. Yeah. And, and aliveness to Christ. I think that that phrase, take up your cross, has, has been tossed around in our culture to, to kind of cheapen the meaning of it too. Like, oh yeah. my gosh, I didn't get, they, they messed up my order at Starbucks. I got I to gotta, I gotta bear my cross. <laughs> bear my cross. <laughs> you know, fine. Give me small fries instead of big. Yeah, well, if they messed, you know, and that's definitely not what Jesus is saying. It's, it's, a, it's a die to yourself, um, lest we forget the cross is an instrument of torture and death. And that's what Jesus is so saying. True. Carry your, your instrument of death. Mm-hmm. That, that's what he's asking us to pick up and bear. So pretty much the commitment that Jesus, that Jesus is requiring for all his disciples is basically an all-in commitment. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all of us want to be transformed, right? We want to, we want to have good lives. We want to become good people. We want to produce fruit. Mm-hmm. I mean, is commitment actually required in order to be transformed by Christ? Mm-hmm. Well, to put it back on you, Dave, because you do CrossFit. <laughs> Like if someone wanted to come in and move to, I don't know how you work in CrossFit, if there's like a week progression, but if someone wanted to jump in like week 10 or 12, the first day, what would, what would people say? Yeah, it just wouldn't work. Yeah. You got to, you got to, you got to build up to it, but you got to be all in, right? You got to go there during the week, right? right? If I want to go in there and start lifting as much as you do, I would injure myself. Actually, if you lifted as much as I did, you would, that would be the beginning part. (laughs) Oh, stop. Yeah, I doubt that. Dave's still in stage one. No, transformation, yeah, it's a process that God is working in us, and we have to commit to it and begin allowing Him to work in us and exercising that out if we want to grow. So, yeah, absolutely, commitment is required. And just like going to the gym, if you actually commit to the process, you will grow. You know, you will be transformed. 
good things will happen to you. But um, even more with following Christ and spiritually ripped if you follow Christ. Spiritually ripped, yeah. yeah I mean, it. to be transformed is to be radically altered. I mean, who, who among us? We, we've been radically altered by doing nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, do you, do you ever drift into being radically altered? Let me say in healthy ways, <laughs> right? I mean, if you drift, you might drift into being just radically unhealthy or radically, you know, broken in your relationships. If you don't maintain things and actually invest in those things, that's what ends up happening. And to be transformed by Christ is to be radically altered. And that requires effort, work, commitment across. Mm-hmm. Well, Jason, yeah. you have, in recent months, you have actually articulated the type of Christ follower or that, you know, that radical reorientation that we all want to end up being at, at Bethel Church. And, and especially in light of the last few years. So, what is what is that radical reorientation that you are that you want us to drive toward? What type of a follower? Yeah. Well, this language that we've been using is is really kind of this come what may because because we don't know what's around the corner. Um, we know that we just went through and we're continuing to walk through a very difficult season that no one saw coming. And so, in order to prepare for what's next, not knowing what that is, we want to make sure that we have disciples that are able to be a disciple anywhere facing anything that every single person, every man and woman, boy and girl that call Bethel Church home, that they would be discipled and they would be able to not only thrive in that relationship anywhere facing anything, but they would also have the tools and resources to make disciples themselves. So be a disciple and make a disciple regardless of the circumstances that you're facing. Yeah, it's almost like you could be dropped down into almost any situation and have the tools, like you said, tools and resources to go, look, I'm going to follow Christ here. I'm going to be fruitful and be productive. I'm going to figure out how to live in this situation, and I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, to commit our entire selves to following Christ, it might be helpful for us to know what we are actually made up of. That is, what are the parts of our personhood that need to be transformed by Christ. You guys, I was thinking about First uh, Thessalonians, in the fifth chapter, it says this, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, well, here's where I'll refer back to um, some of the materials that we've been producing here at Bethel. And we have a manual now called the 1% Life. It's kind of a discipling tool, right? And in the 1% Life manual, we've identified specific areas of this spirit, soul, and body that can be transformed. And those areas are, and I'll I'll just kind of list them off and tell me if I've forgotten any, uh, heart, mind, our affections, the will, our relationships, and our purpose, so if we kind of go through these one by one, kind of do a flyover on each one of these, um, I think it'll help us, right? Instead of just thinking about becoming this, oh, I'm going to become a faithful, fruitful follower of Christ. I'm all in. Well, okay, that's good. But why not uh, identify these, these major categories of our lives that need to be brought under the Lordship of Christ? Okay, so the first one was the heart. So why is, why is the, uh, what is the heart? And why is it the foundation or maybe the foundation for transformation? 
And anybody can jump in on that. Yeah. Whoever wants. Well, Dave, when, when Scripture uh, talks about the heart, it's, it's often referring to like the whole, right? Like the sum total of who we are. So that could be body, soul, spirit, however, however we want to kind of cut up who we are. Um, the heart, I actually think when we talk about transformed in these six areas, I do think the heart, the heart summarizes the fact that there's a total transformation that's taking place. So in general, I would say it's talking about the total self. Um, in particular, I think when we're talking about the transformation that we want to see in the heart is um, we're talking about, first of all, when we are born again, that we have a heart of stone and we want to have a heart of flesh that only comes through through the spirit. Um, my my son has a friend uh, who he was his dad was teaching him this this principle of that we're born with a heart of stone and we want to have a heart of flesh that beats for the Lord. Um, and he, he actually took this to school. My son came home and he goes, "Hey, my buddy, uh, he told me uh, my problem is is I have a I have a stone heart. <laughs> I need a heart of flesh." Yeah. And what my son didn't realize is this kid was kind of evangelizing because mm-hmm. he's seeing some fruit in my son's life. And he's like, hey, man, I don't think your heart's beating for the Lord here. And so I think that's, I think that's some of it, right? Does our, does our heart actually beat for spiritual things? Does it, does it beat for the things that God's heart beats for? So you're distinguishing heart biblically from sometimes the way we use it as maybe just the seat of our emotions. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I think that's a way to do yeah, it. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Yeah. I, I've heard it described similarly, but kind of bringing all things together down into what is called our deepest person. You know, it's like we we have a we have a born again, you know, that heart of flesh you're talking about. It's because we have a born again spirit. The mm. spirit of God comes into our deepest person, way deep inside of us. Actually, comes in, brings new life where there was death, right? Mm-hmm. And that gives us the capability of actually bringing about transformation, of responding to God's, to God's word. Mm. All right. Well, that was hard. Well, let's go on to the second one. Every one of these are huge, right? So the second area uh, that needs to be transformed, life's areas to be transformed, is the mind. So how is the mind transformed? What are some of the ways in which our minds are transformed? Mm. One of the ways the Bible talks about it is being renewed in our minds by the word of God. So as we're mm-hmm. allowing God to reshape our worldview, our thoughts, the way that we see things and, and, and consider things is God renewing us through his word. And, and you look at Romans chapter 12, right? So it tells us that what typically happens to us is, you know, the, the warning there is do not be conformed mm-hmm. to the patterns of this world. Instead, uh, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, just right. like you referred to. It's interesting, what comes before transformed is conformed. Hmm. So that is what typically happens to us. In our flesh, in this world, we are going to be conformed. And I heard uh, the word conformed described as a means of uh, squeezing or molding or shaping by this outside external pressure. Hmm. And so we we do live in a world that tries to fit us within its box it's its mindset, it's its worldview. And so I think in order for our minds to be transformed, to realize that we're not going to be squeezed into the box. Um, might even think it think of it in the way that um, you know, uh, you, you might drift down the river because the river has a current, right? And we're to be a, kind of set against the current of our our culture and, and of our world. And so we're to be counter-current, we're to be counter-cultural. 
And there should be something about us that's kind of forcing ourselves upstream in a sense. Mm-hmm. I would I'd kind of zero in on this thread through the word of it. it. It's the truth. So it is actually the truth that brings life. It brings transformation. You know, lies just can't bring transformation, right? Mm-hmm. They they can maybe bolster you, make you feel better in the moment, but they're not. They're not going to transform you. Mm-hmm. So we know that the word of God is able to go down. It goes down way deep, right mm-hmm. down once again to our deepest person, down to our deepest thought processes that we can't even understand ourselves. And, and that is the power of the truth. The power of the truth of God that is able to get down there and and rework our minds. I think we've all seen people that are just messed up in their minds, mm-hmm. right? And then over time, we just just almost miraculously see their minds being cleaned up. Mm-hmm. You know, they start jettisoning lies, uh, jettisoning, you know, just crazy ways of thinking, worldly ways of thinking. They take on a world, a Christian worldview, a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. And man, their, their lives are just transformed. Yeah. Jesus says, abide in me, right? In John 15, he's talking about that he, he is the, uh, the vine. Uh, or is, uh, uh, and to abide in him, I think practically, um, yeah, it, it's having a biblical worldview, like you said, uh, Dave. But it is, are you, are you walking with a mind that is abiding in, in Christ? Um, your mind can not dwell on certain things if it is dwelling on Jesus or mm-hmm. if it is walking with Jesus, thinking about him and how he, how, so yeah, I would, it's, it's, it's being with Christ in, in the, in, in what you're thinking and, and how you're processing the world. So that kind of comes back to us. We're, we're commanded in, what is it, Colossians, to set your minds on the things above. Yes. Not on the things that are on the earth. Okay. There's a lot we could, there's a whole lot more we could talk about on that one. Let's go into the third one. A uh, third area that uh, of life's area that needs to be transformed are our affections. Mm-hmm. Okay. What are, aff- what are our affections? And what, are, what, like, what is the goal for our affections? When we think of affections, we probably think of things that we desire or things that um, we are satisfied with or we receive satisfaction from. Uh, so uh, I, I immediately think of um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where um, Paul is actually talking about, he's giving characteristics of this new man. You know, uh, he kind of famously says there, uh, the old is gone, the new has come. And just before that, he talks about some of that newness. And he talks about new desires, new affections that he's having. So um, those are things that he's desiring um, in the world or, or things that he's, he did desire that he's letting go of. Mm-hmm. But, but God is actually changing, changing the things that his, we've already talked about heart, but just that are appealing to him. Mm-hmm. For the things, things, that he, things that we love. Yeah, things that we yeah. love, things that we long for, the things that we hold on to, because we really are convinced, whether we realize it or not, that these things are going to bring us our deepest satisfaction. They are our deepest longing. And he says, man, there's a transformation that happens. Like our, like the things that we are holding on to and demanding so much of, our our grip is loosening on those things in this world. Mm-hmm. And, and replaced with a love for things that have eternal yeah that that somehow affect the kingdom or are eternally lasting or are in line with with what guys so our grip is our our affections for things that are of no value or is loosening Mm -hmm. and the grip of our affections on things that have lasting value are tightening Mm -hmm. so the the faith is more than just changing our brains and the things Mm -hmm. that we think but also the things that we 
deeply desire and long for and love, like re-aiming them in the right place. Yeah, yeah just think, think of the yeah. wonderful transformation that comes from loving the things that God loves. Right. Yeah. It's just, just beautiful. Sometimes the faith can be like just, I think, boiled down to the cognitive level where it's an information exchange, mm-hmm. almost this picture of a brain on a stick is what we are. Like God just wants to come in and change your thoughts. And I, maybe sometimes it says Christianity is not really about the joys and the things that we love and the things that really f- gratify and fulfill us in a good way. And I think the whole more holistic view of Christianity and what we're talking about transformation is God actually wants to, you to love things more and better mm-hmm. than the things that you've oh, loved without funny. him. Just a practical example, Dave. Um, so when I came to know Jesus, um, I really had very little knowledge of the church and had very little knowledge of what was required of me as a new disciple. But one of the things that I noticed is that my affections began to change almost immediately. So the Holy Spirit's dwelling inside me. So I've, I've had a transformed heart that's going to continue to be transformed. My my mind is starting to be renewed, but man, those affections just started to 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 be altered. So church was not a place that I had ever really belonged but it ended up being a place that I I long to be a part of. So anytime the church was open, for example, in those first couple of months, I was at church. So it was a church that had Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday night prayer meeting. I think there was like a Sunday or a Tuesday night, like men's group or something. I Anytime the church doors were open, I was running to the church. And there were some, it wasn't perfect people. There were a lot of goofy people there, but I just, I so wanted to be around God's people I wanted to be in his presence. I was I was blowing my friends off <laughs> and all of the ridiculousness that I had been participating in because I longed to be with, for example, a group of, you know, older senior men that are sitting around reading the Bible, <laughs> crying, sharing their testimony and talking about how much they love this man named Jesus. And it was so appealing to me. And the only the only explanation is Christ in me. Um, and that radical transformation of affection. That's great. That's a great story, man. Okay, so here's kind of the path we followed. We started with uh, that area of life to be transformed that we call the heart, went on to the mind, finished with our affections, and now we're going on to our will. Aha, the will. Well, I was going to throw this out. I'll go ahead and throw this out. So, if you will. Yes. I will. Okay. Well, how about this? It, if this sounds like, you know, to, to mold our will to follow Christ, if that may sound like, we, you know, that Christianity wants us all to become like robots, right? Or lemmings. But even Jesus brought his will around to the will mm-hmm. of the Father. Do you remember that? In the, yeah. in the garden, right? Where, so somebody give us a 15-second recap of what happened in the garden right before Jesus, before the soldiers arrived to arrest him. Well, Jesus was pretty distraught. He he knew what was what was facing him, the the fate that was was coming towards him on the cross, and he and his prayer is not my will, but your will be done. Mm-hmm. He's and he knew that God was he he, he was going to come under the wrath of God, drink the the cup of judgment. Yes. So and and only Jesus, I think, could understand the full weight of that. But he submitted his will to the Lord's. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So that how many times did he did he appeal to the Father? To he said, "Not my will, but yours be done." Three times. Yeah, we're all three. Right? I, yeah, think, I think, I think, I think it's three. It, I think he prayed three times. Two right? or three. I'm not going to go on record. Someone's going to text me yeah, this week so and say, we'll "Actually, 
Actually, it was. How was how was this event of Jesus in the garden? How is that a demonstration of a transformed will? You know, one of the things I'm glad that you brought that up, Dave. I I hadn't thought of that as an example. One of the things that's incredibly encouraging in Jesus' example to us in that is um, bringing bringing our own personal will to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so, in a in a sense, I mean, he is he is demonstrating like, man, my I don't know that my will is contrary to yours. I do have this sense of my situation, and so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make it known what my will is. But at the end, there is this, there is this surrendering. So mm-hmm. saying, man, I, Lord, I do want you to know what my will is in this, but my ultimate aim is just, is, is, is for your will to be done ultimately through this. So that's tremendously encouraging to me. Um, I, I think the example for us is bring, bring our will, bring uh, what we sense and we understand the Lord's calling us to in a particular moment, but ultimately kind of being obedient to whatever his will is. And I think if Jesus did it, then we can't say, well, if you know, if my will is just going to be buckled under to God, it's going to make me a smaller person. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. because in Jesus' case, that made him a bigger person. Mm-hmm. I mean, look what he did. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Yeah. Okay, we're on I, number I wonder, five. On what you just said there, though, I wonder yeah, if no. you could say it both at the same time. You're a bigger person because you're, you're growing and transforming, but one of the goals is that we do become less and smaller and God mm-hmm. becomes bigger. So it's... When we're submitting our will to God and saying, not my will, but yours, we're really living in the created way we were made to live, right? Like, yeah. God, my my whole life is to be conformed to you. So make me small, my will small, and yours big and desirable to me so I can follow it. And, I like yeah, that. Yeah, and I'll also say a, 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 a area of growth or sign of maturity is being able to look at your own life and say, um, and say, this is what God has designed me for. This is how I am made. This is how I... These are my skills, um, and and they're. This is God's will that that my, my what what God has given me in my life or the the abilities that I have is in line with God's will. I'm seeing your life as shaped and held by by the Lord. Yeah. Okay. The final two. Great discussion, you guys. The final two areas. Kind of maybe we'll, I'll throw both out. That is our relationships need to be transformed. And then maybe I think the culmination of all this is a transformation of our purpose mm-hmm. in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dave, when we, t- we talk a-, a lot at Bethel Church about relationships. So here when we're talking about being transformed in our relationships, I would say that when you look at every um, earthly relationship that you have, they should be radically different because of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't necessarily have to do with the people that are around you, it has to do with the person that you are around these people because of the transformation that's happening. Hmm. So there should be more and more selflessness. Um, there should be kind of that Philippians 2 mindset, right? Where you're looking around and in, in any group that you look and you say, you know what? I view these people as being better than myself. Hmm. Um, I'm going to approach every relationship in a, in a humble way. Um, re- recognizing that every one of these individuals is created in the image of God, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna esteem them in the way that God does. So um, that's that's one way. When I think about being transformed in relationships, it, it really is my outlook and and my approach and the way that I I guess engage with people. You think about if you've got a strong purpose in life, 
doesn't if it really affects your relationships, mm. right? It's like you said, Jason, if if my purpose really is to glorify God, is to see people like He does, then as I go out, if that is a drive a driving purpose in my life, it will affect it'll affect all my relationships, my relationship with my wife, relationship with my kids, relationship with my boss. It has to. I mean, if if I'm being transformed by Christ. Is that not going to spill over into my other relationships? Now, that's not saying that those relationships are going to be perfect, but as it depends on me, um, if I am growing in my relationship with Jesus, my guess is is that my kids are going to benefit from that. Like you said, my wife, my employer, all of those folks. And so being transformed by Christ in all these other areas hopefully has this cascading effect into all of our relationships. Well, Jason, we mentioned in the in the, in the introduction um, to this podcast that this material that we're looking at, these six areas, uh, we said that they were in a manual called the 1% Life. Mm. So that manual is out there, and it's in what context is this manual meant to be used for people at Bethel? Yeah, so we're kind of running it as a pilot with our body this fall in hopes that this would be a curriculum and a workbook that we could use for many years to come to help people get established in um, again, back to that word relationship, in the three most vital relationships as we understand Scripture, our relationship with God, our relationship with the church, and our relationship with people that are far from God that are still in the world. So um, that, that's our hope, is that um, this, this week in particular, that transformation would be taking place in your life so that those three relationships would be transformed. Thanks for joining us this week. Listen in next week as we continue to encourage each other to practically follow Jesus through the application of gospel truth. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so, because we'd love to continue to dive into God's Word with you. We'd also love to connect further with you. If you go to Bethel.ch, you'll see all sorts of ways to connect, serve, and worship with our church body. Finally, please consider sharing this podcast with your friends by word of mouth or on social media. Have a blessed week.